Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Sophie Park. Sophie has worked with clients such as the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, NPR, and the Washington Post, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Sophie about her experience studying international affairs at Boston University before pursuing her passion of photography. I also speak to Sophie about what drew her to photojournalism, how she approaches assignment work, as well as her experience covering politics. Sophie is a talented photographer who I was excited to have on the podcast, so I hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. All right, and now welcome on Sophie Park. <laughs> how are we doing, Sophie? Uh, Pretty thanks, good. Yeah, thanks for making the trek out here from uh, Cambridge all the way out to Holliston, Mass., uh, mm-hmm. so I appreciate it. Uh, excited to talk to you about your photography, uh, connected with you, like how I've met so many photographers, it's through Instagram, which has been a great tool. Um, but I guess to start off, like, where did you grow up and like, what are kind of like your earliest memories of photography? Yeah, um, so I actually grew up in a small town in Missouri, in southeast Missouri called Jackson. Um, and I lived there for about 10 years and then my family moved to New Jersey and then Cambodia. So I was in those places before coming to Boston. Um, and I think my earliest memories of photography were with my dad, just taking photos of our family. Um, and my first camera was, uh, one of his old cameras. And I think I just, I started taking photos like on vacations and stuff like that. It was always just a hobby. It was nothing very, it was nothing I was very serious about. Was your dad like pretty into photography or is this kind of more like family events type deal mostly just as a hobby yeah family events um like he was kind of notorious for getting all up in everyone's face for a nice family photo that's cool so you must be Um, real proud with everything you're doing now yeah it's cool and i've i've officially surpassed him as the family documentarian (laughs) (laughs) which is good because now he gets to be in photos too you know because it was always him behind the camera growing up that's cool how how long did you uh, live in cambodia for so i was there for about three years i did most of high school there that's yeah. cool. Did and, you did you enjoy living out there? I did. It was um I mean don't get me wrong, I was not thrilled to be moving um between my freshman and sophomore year of high school. I was really angry about that. <laughs> Especially because we had just moved. Like I was finally just getting settled in New Jersey from moving from Missouri. Um but it was it was really wonderful. Like Cambodia is really wonderful. Um I wish I had, like, I was starting to get more into photography while I lived there, but I wish I had had more of an interest in documentary work so I could have photographed more while I lived there, but Cause what kind of it stuff, is what it is. What kind of stuff were you photographing when you lived there? Yeah, so at that point, um, one of the turning points for me was I did, I took this art class in high school. Um, I did the International Baccalaureate Program, and you had to, our teacher had us take our own reference photos for paintings and stuff. And so I would, you know, set up little shoots with my friends and, um, you know, experiment with like very high key or low key lighting and then paint from those photos. And so that was, I think, one of the first times that I had a lot of, um, or I don't know, had a vision for what I wanted to be photographing. But at the end of that period, when I was going off to college, I actually um, had a very just distinct memory of being like I'm not going to pursue anything visual for my job like I want to I don't know do something more practical or what I don't I think it was a lot of just societal expectations and standards in my head of like what I thought I should be doing 
And so... Um, because was like your parents even pressuring you in one way or other? I mean, they were, they've always been very supportive. Um, I think it's just taking them, taking them time to understand what it actually is that I do. Because freelance photojournalism was not a job I even knew about growing up. Or even until maybe like four or five years ago, honestly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, I, there was, and that's a whole thing, you know, kind of um, like battling that. Oh yeah, uh, expectation or pressure I had in my head to not pursue something creative or visual, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a crazy road freelance photography because it's like you don't you don't know where it can lead to, and then it takes a while to start getting going. But like looking now, I see on Instagram you're working nonstop. So it, it, you know, it, if there's a will, there's a way. You can make it happen. Yeah. Um, Yes, because you said you didn't want to go to school to pursue anything visual. Did, did you end up studying photography or like what did you end up going to school for? So I studied international relations um, and I'm, I'm glad I did study that at the at the time, like when I chose that as my major, you know, coming from living in Cambodia, I was very interested in, you know, how different governments interact with each other. And I've always really liked history, too. And so that kind of informed my decision to pursue that. Um, I took I took two photography classes at BU. Mm-hmm. So I went to Boston University. And um, it was good for, you know, just having some direction. I think um, I'm more so grateful for the connections I made while I was there um, and a couple of mentors that I found there. Um, that's where I got started with, um, at my student paper and I, you know, started poking around into this whole photography thing. Who who were some of your mentors there? So, um, Greg Marinovich, who's a, he's a master lecturer there and Pulitzer Prize winning photographer from South Africa. Um, he, or actually he's, I believe he's Croatian, um, but he's known for his work in South Africa. He teaches some courses and, um, I'm grateful to have had his under his tutelage <laughs> yeah because like w- when you're kind of first out starting out in photography like was there any type of photographer's work that kind of were you always attracted to kind of photojournalism type photos or like what kind of stuff are you looking at i think um i actually haven't really thought about this i think um i don't I think there's just such a wide, there's such a long period of time when I think about like my journey to where I am now. Um, Like I don't have, like some people talk about, you know, flipping through National Geographic magazines and seeing like this one photo. Like I didn't really have that white light moment. Um, Because what do you think, what is it about photojournalism that attracts you more than any other type of photography you think? I'll say I, I just, I like the way, um, photojournalism like helps us learn about each other as humans and like the way that you can the way that photojournalism allows us to just see into other parts of the way people live um and the intimacy that's there i like like our cameras are like passports you know oh yeah um into different like lives that 
it is familiar. It's with. crazy. You can just look at your Instagram for the last month, and then like the, the things you've like. One day you're at a Trump rally, and then another day you're like some like like a Guatemalan family in Rhode Island, and then then you're like shooting some senator. So it's like all over the place. Like you never know where you're gonna be at from day to day on yeah. the on the assignment, pretty much. Yeah, and then like I think. I think very early on, I just loved, like, capturing a moment in time. Like, I have a really bad memory, and sometimes it's just hard for me to remember what, like, even yesterday or the week before it was like. And so then to be able to, like, codify my life and other things that are happening in the world in the form of a photo, like, that's very powerful to me. Because as you, this is something... uh it's interesting to me because for, for you, it, it, when you look at uh, either your own work or even other people's work, is the thing that gets you excited, is it more about the story or because myself, I, I realized like I love photojournalism, but I realized my own work. I love being able to like manipulate stuff and put a little sauce on it in Photoshop, whereas stuff you do for New York Times, you really can't do that because of the ethics of photojournalism. So is it always just been kind of about the story you're trying to tell or like how do you even view this the the creative aesthetic part of like uh visual medium you do if that makes sense yeah I think um I, I guess I'm like I don't want to call my I don't want to put labels on things but I guess I would I'm a purist in the sense that like my goal is for my images to you know really truly represent what is happening in front of me but my job is also to, you know, pick, like, you know, make things visually digestible, you know. Um, and so the things that excites me, the things that excite me are, you know, f- like capturing a moment in a very chaotic scene. And like, like that makes me excited. Um, yeah. yeah. One yeah. thing that made me laugh on your Instagram, I think you're at, at the uh, Trump, like he had a campaign thing in New-, New Hampshire. I think it was like a week or two ago. And you went and shot it. And. I, I that's the thing I'm amazed with photojournalists and they can go into most because it was probably at some ugly convention room it's not like visually appealing when you walk in and as a photojournalist you have to find a way to like make it interesting and you had I think you put it in the comment you're like I'm not gonna make drag shutter my personality <laughs> or something <laughs> and I was like because you have these tricks that you like tricks or whatever you want to call them that you have to utilize because like I said you can't really lean on photoshop to do all this trickery that some people do like in the editorial world or whatever and uh yeah i don't know yeah how do you approach those shoots where it's like you're in some ugly room and it, like you said you have to make a compelling image and tell the story like that. yeah i think um so I, I i gotta like cover my ass like just to put it simply and make sure that i'm making photos that you know that can be used in the story and that my, my editor would be happy with, um, that I know are publishable. But then I also, I just go into, like I go, I try and go into most shoots with the mindset of like, I want to make them, I just want to make the most of this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, whether that's, you know, once I have my bases covered, experimenting with slow shutter or just like looking for, looking for things that aren't as obvious. And so like, I'm really drawn to like patterns and um, just, yeah, like, like, 
like I, my my goal is to look for the less obvious things because those are the things when I look at other people's work, those are the things that I'm I'm drawn to and and that are compelling to me. Which, which has to be so hard to do, especially with like the political stuff, because I've never been to one of these things. But like I'm sure there's a bunch of other photographers there shooting the Trump thing, and you I don't know how much freedom you have to go about the room and do what you want, but like there's a million other photographers there and you have to find a unique angle or whatever. Does it feel like when you're in those environments, does it feel competitive or like what's the vibe? I think it can be. Um, but at its best, it's not. And there's like, I think in the best situations, there's a real sense of camaraderie and I'm really grateful for the photographers in the new England press circle that have really welcomed me. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm pretty new to all of this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but yeah, when, when there's, you know, and in, in those kinds of situations when we're all like gathered on a riser, you know, um, I mean, I, I try to, you know, just be courteous and make sure that, you know, if I'm in a spot for too long, I'll try to move out of the way. Yeah. Um, I, I could see it like I'm falling, like you're in my space. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, but no, that's good to hear. Yeah, because uh, a couple weeks ago, you shot the Boston Marathon. You got to go on the Little Perch. How was that experience? <laughs> that was crazy. Um, shout out to Brian Snyder at Reuters, who supported me along the whole way. He was on the ground um, at the finish line, and I was on the photo bridge. Um, it was my first time photographing anything like that. Like, I'm not really a sports photographer. <laughs> um, but it was a lot of fun. Um I was working with a lens that was longer than I'm used to. It was a 200 to 600. Okay. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it was, it was cool and it was a first, you know, um, we were definitely, yeah, you're like elbow to elbow with other photographers, but I mean, everyone was pretty respectful, you know, it was also really wet. It was raining. You guys um, so had a little cover though, right? We had cover, but the rain would like when there were gusts of wind, yeah, it would yeah. blow the rain into the the onto the bridge, um, and everyone was kind of looking out for other people, like, "Hey, man, like your bag's getting the, wet." The, yeah, those 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 situations suck in the moment, like rain or whatever. But in the end, like I feel like the the rain adds an extra layer of texture to the photos at the end of the day. Yeah. Instead, I'd ra- honestly rather have that than like some perfect sunny day because it's just like whatever. No, for sure. And yeah, I'm always like whenever it rains, I'm like, cool. There's <laughs> reflections. There's puddles. There you go. That's <laughs> there's a, you, more elements. You got to use that bag of tricks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Um, and I guess to go back a little bit, like when you're like studying international relations, like what did you think you were going to pursue as a career with that? Because like most like like I'm dumb. Like was that, a lot of people go into like like government type jobs and lobbying and things like that, right? This is all true. Um, <laughs> Um, so I, I thought like up until I kid you, like up until my, the seniors, my senior spring, I was applying to jobs at think tanks, nonprofits. I was thinking about jobs in DC, um, all of these, yeah, all of these jobs that were not at all related to photojournalism or photography in general. And it, but it was, it was really like through that, um, pretty grueling like the job application the grueling job application process when I was looking at my resume (laughs) and like everything on my resume was photo related and I was like all right maybe I should read the writing on the wall which is that maybe I have a passion for photography and I should at least give it a shot um and so I'm trying to think oh so that was spring of 2020 too which is when the world shut down Mm Um, great time to finish school (laughs) amazing time yeah and so I actually ended up contact tracing um for like on and off for about a year so I was working remotely 
basically calling the state had contracted uh, uh, an organization to help contact trace like the contacts of people who had gotten COVID. So I basically spent a year and a half on and off um, just cold calling people from my bedroom. Like, you sick? <laughs> and, you good? <laughs> and it was honestly, it was very nerve wracking at first, but it felt good to be like in the fight against the coronavirus. And um, it also helped me with my cold calling skills because that was something I had always struggled with. Yeah. And th- I mean, that's just, you know, learning to deal with people that, just is part of see, photography too, right? Oh, yeah. That's what I was going to ask you is because like looking at your Instagram because it's like you would think like, oh, you've got no fear approaching people because you just get thrown into like like some people's house for a day and you're supposed to photograph them there. Like, do you ever get nervous or is that something you like you say you kind of had to like build on? I'm nervous all the time. <laughs> really? See, I wait, see, look at her Instagram. Like, she, she, she's tough. Like, she got no fear, you know. So it's. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I like. Um, I think I've gotten more comfortable, like working through the anxiety and the, you know, the, the stress of you know, meeting someone new for the, for the first time. And I mean, that's part of the job that I love too. Like I, I I do love learning new things and meeting lots of different people. Um, I think I just try and do my homework ahead of time. So there's, there are fewer chances for me to get caught off guard by what's happening. Um, if it's something simple, like, you know, or like like a portrait, you know, like read up on the person or, um, but yeah. and, And I've heard, you know, I've heard that feeling never really goes away either. So it's there's something comforting about that. It's like okay, this is think, this feeling. I'll I'll have it with me. <laughs> yeah, and all and all kind of depends on like your mood in the day sometimes. Oh, so that, that too. It, yeah, you don't realize because like some days you're just like tired and like I mean not to complain or whatever. I love this job, but then it's like any you're exhausted, you're gone, and you have to you have to run the ship. Like you have to because you're going into someone else's space. Like for instance, you're doing an editorial assignment, and you have to like put them at ease and because like. It's got to be like, like friends, I keep going back because it was really interesting um, series of photos you did with like this uh, family down in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. And they, it was like, I think they're from Guatemala and they live in Rhode Island now and they'd been separated, I think, from the father for like four years. And the photos were like super intimate and you took these portraits of the, 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 the father, the mother and father like in their bedroom. And it's like, any, anybody, like I know you probably just met those people five ten minutes before and then you're in their bedroom taking this like intimate thing it's got to be uncomfortable for them like how did you approach that shoot because it was like a very intimate shoot it was and i have to give props to well first to the family like um like heading into that assignment i was very i i had just i had spent a lot of time you know going over like how i was going to you know respond if in different situations if things came up because um like it's a lot to ask anyone to let you into their home let alone a family that's been what they've been through mm-hmm. but they were just so welcoming and warm and um like way more open than i could have ever expected like i was so grateful for that um yeah if you could explain the story a little bit like- yeah oh yeah so um the story was um basically it was a guatemalan father and son they had been separated at the border under one of trump's policies in 2018 i believe uh yeah, 2018, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were they had been reunited for a couple years, but uh, the the mother and um, youngest daughter they have they were just reunited a couple months ago, and so the story was you know chronicling just their whole journey from Guatemala to Rhode Island, and um, 
and so yeah I had a lot of you know I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't I didn't want to cause any more harm in any way you know I wanted to be like trauma-informed and um just know when to not push and I was just like thinking of all these things going into the the assignment and then they ended up just being like just so open you know um I was also there with a reporter named, um, shout out to Coral, (laughs) who, um, she works in Queens, but she came down for the story and, um, she was, she just, she was really wonderful too. And I don't speak much Spanish, so she was really translating the whole time. And most of the assignment was actually the interview. And so I ended up spending like an extra hour, hour and a half with a family after so that I could actually just see them, you know, like interacting with each other normally. yeah that, that can be truck tough uh working with the, it can be great and tough at the same time depending on how much time the subject has because I've, I've had that happen before where like yeah, the writer's there and no disrespect to the writers because they got to do their job and then they'll do the interview it's like an hour and a half and you get like two minutes for the shoot or whatever but like do you enjoy that collaboration with writers and stuff i think um yeah it depends because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day it's like right we, we both have our jobs to do mm-hmm. um and i found that most reporters um, are really accommodating of of what i have to get done and then I, I just try and communicate as clearly as possible from the get-go like hey i'm probably gonna need this much time to do yeah. portraits um or like how long do you think you'll need for the interview um and you know everyone has the way i put it to an editor recently was everyone has a different way of working you know and that's to be expected working with any any writer um so i just try to be as uh, communicate as clear as possible i know know that like anxious energy we all got it you're like you're like the editor wants this shot this shot and this shot and i got that anger that's like am i gonna get it am i gonna get it i'm gonna get it yeah and so the thing with the, the the family in um in rhode island was um I, I was kind of watching the time tick away, but, you know, I knew it was really important for the writer to take her time interviewing the family, you know, like it was, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to, like, I, I had a feeling that I could probably stick around after, and so I'm really glad that it worked out the way it did. Um, but yeah, it's another example of how you can plan as much as possible for any job, and then you get there, and things just kind of don't go the way you planned, and you either just gotta roll the punches <laughs> yeah it's like the hardest thing i i still as long as i've been doing this i i'll just like stress myself out like it happened like the other weekend i had a job coming up and you like stress over the minutiae of like stuff that like hasn't even happened you don't even know if it's gonna happen and you can't even, i don't know and I, as much as i try to tell my brain like it's all gonna work out it's all gonna work out and you just keep going i was like that's the thing i'm trying to get the better at <laughs> you know no definitely and it's like half the time the things you thought were going to be issues don't even it's a non it's a non-issue and then something else happens and you're like wow i didn't even think of that (laughs) yeah the human brain it likes to play tricks on you um i also saw i saw you worked at the texas tribune for a while i don't know was that an internship or a job yeah it was a um summer fellowship in 2021 um yeah the summer of 2021 that was really wonderful. Did you want me to talk a little bit? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I th- yeah, I was excited to hear about your experience work out in uh, Texas, and because it's a t- it's a newspaper, right? Yeah. So the Texas Tribune is a nonprofit. I don't nonprofit news organization. I think that's the the title they like to use. But it was really wonderful. Um, it was my first time working in a real newsroom because up until that point, I had only ever worked at my student paper, and then. Um, 
in the communications department at Harvard University. They have a, an unpaid internship. Mm-hmm. Wish it was paid. Um, yeah, what the hell, Harvard? You guys got more money than God. Like. <laughs> yeah, any, anytime I talk about that experience, like the Harvard experience, like it was it was really great, um, but they should really pay the interns. Yes. Anyways, <laughs> um, but the, the Texas Tribune fellowship was phenomenal. Um, How'd the opportunity come about? You just kind of saw a posting and applied or? Yeah. So the spring, so the spring before that summer I had, I was wrapping up a year um, on and off of contact tracing and was feeling like I wanted to try and get more hands-on experience with mm-hmm. photojournalism. And I forget how I learned about the opportunity, um, but I, I found it, I applied and, and I got it. And it was, it was just, yeah, the first time that I was really, I mean, photographing like every day, basically. Because um, they threw you straight into like taking photos like right out the gate. Yeah. And the, the Texas, the Texas Tribune is unique in that they have, they have a small photo desk, but they rely very heavily on freelancers. Mm-hmm. And so I was basically like a staff photographer and, um, what I couldn't have anticipated or what I couldn't have expected when applying was that, I mean, there's a lot going on in Texas all the time, but that summer the the governor was actually going to be calling a special legislative session and he ended up calling a couple, which was pretty unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got, I had the chance to work in the state Capitol, like covering the Texas legislature basically for the entire time I was there. And that was great because I had, I had little experience with political photography, but I came to learn that I really enjoyed it. And um, I had, I, I've spent a lot of time, you know, just following like a lot of photojournalists working in DC mm-hmm. and it was cool to kind of like apply things that I had seen them doing, um, on Capitol Hill, but in Austin. Um, and there were also just, you know, there were stories that I was able to work on, um, that I wouldn't have otherwise had the chance to do. Um, my editor sent me down to the border with, um, the multimedia fellow, Lauren Santucci, who's a freelance filmmaker, um, in Austin. Was that the, the uh, it's a, a section on your website, the Asylum Seekers? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, you know, the, the trip came about really um, kind of last minute. Um, but it was, it was around the time that there were just very large numbers of migrants crossing the border. And um, the goal of Lauren and I going down was to kind of compare notes, you know, because at the time, um, Governor Abbott was saying, you know, he was saying a lot of things, but our job was just to, you know, see, well, what is it really like on the ground? And um, the people who are you know, receiving and taking care of these asylum seekers, like, what do they have to say? Um, so it was really interesting and kind of, I mean, life changing in a way. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you that because like looking at the photos, that's like it don't get heavier than that. Like. Like, these people that are leaving their home, they got nothing. They're getting thrown in, like, basically, like, jails, essentially. Like, and they, they don't know where they're going. Like, and then you kind of show up. It, like, a lot of the photos are in the middle of the night or whatever time is dark out. And you're just there shooting photos. Is that, like, is that intimidating walking into that? Like, is it? Because I would feel like it's a weird position to be in. Because you're, like, obviously, you need, as a journalist, you need to tell the story. But then these people are in the like the most vulnerable position of their life, like and you're there, they're taking pictures. Yeah, and um, and I was like hyper aware of that because, you know, I think a lot about you know power dynamics and like what it means to be in someone's life with a camera, you know, and I'm the one being sent by a publication and they're the one sharing their story with me, um. 
the photos at night was actually like I learned about I learned about this border crossing through another journalist. Um, it was in Roma, Texas, about an hour from where we had actually planned on being. And I mean, it was it was pretty crazy. I mean, Lauren and I showed up with this like dinky headlamp we got at the outdoor store. And um, like we thought we were going to be able to go down to the river, but it ended up being the crossing was actually on private property. And so um, and there were National Guard there who were kind of blocking our path. So we ended up just waiting up on the road with National Guard. And like sooner or later, people started showing up. Um, And, you know, it's tough in those situations because like most of these most of these people are like the most vulnerable, like they're they're probably having the worst day of their life. Of course, yeah. Um, And so in that like that night, I felt like my job was just to show like the humanity like these are like a lot of the the people crossing were actually children mm-hmm. unaccompanied minors um and the the line that they formed next to the line of families was like the, the lines were the same length so there were um the same number of unaccompanied minors crossing at this street as there were fa- like full families and um i was really blown away by just the resilience in the kids you know a lot of them were like 12 or 13 years old and you think of, um, like when you're 12 or 13 years old, you kind of think you're like, like invincible. Right. Um, and these kids like very much, I, I don't know. I was just like very struck by the, the fact that they just crossed the U S Mexico border and they were kind of like, they were okay and joking around. And, um, you know, I'm sure that's not the case at all. Every, at all of these border crossings. Um, but I just, I don't know, tried to show that and um yeah it's a tough thing about being a photojournalist because it's even like uh i was gonna ask you because like the, the the trump thing like you you photograph the the campaign thing and i'm like it's like I, I go back and forth like should we keep signing a spotlight on these people or like what's the balance but i guess you can't ignore it it's like it's not your job to put your own politics in your right. it's it's there and there's a large group of people and it's a uh, yeah, I don't know. How do you, how do you view that aspect? Because you obviously you're a human being. You have your own uh, political views and stuff. But as a journalist, you kind of have to like ignore that or like I don't know. So I think um, and this feeling like the sentiment I'm about to share is not like new or anything. But I think for me, it all comes down to just like dignity and respect. You know, like everyone deserves that, mm-hmm. um, no matter who it is in front of the camera and so that's kind of like my um north star and just like yeah like humanizing situations um no matter what it is i think that's what kind of drives me and it's like yeah i have my personal politics and opinions um because you run into that like at that trump thing because it's obviously his supporters and i think you were covering for the new york times yeah, and all yeah. That. do you run into people being like who are you with like this? oh definitely i mean there was a um one of the women who i like stopped to actually talk to she um she asked me who i was with and i was like the new york times and she you know she gave me this like very like earnest and heartfelt little lecture about how um you know, she hopes that I can make the right choice and, you know, do the right thing. And I mean, it's common, you know, for people to, you know, talk about fake news and all of that, these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, 
you know, all I can do is tell the truth. Like here, I'm, you know, I'm here to do my job and yeah, and make photos that are representative of today. What, what's happening? Yeah. Um, and I, I do enjoy just like talking to people. You know, um, the woman I was talking to is, um, part of a, an organization. Like, actually. I don't think I'll get into that. That's right. That <laughs> that's right. It's all right. Uh, no, it's difficult. Like I ran into it, uh, whatever, like a month ago when I was doing a New York Times assignment and you text me, yeah. but it was the kid with the Pentagon, he leaked yeah. the Pentagon stuff. And I don't typically shoot that type of stuff. And I just got sent an address, go to this kid's house and you're basically thrown there to take pictures of like whatever's going to happen. Nothing really happened. But I showed up and there's this guy who's obviously probably listening to like a police scanner. He's just a local dude, like wearing like all camo and got his like trump pad or whatever and he's like well, who are you with i'm like uh new york times and he's like oh man they they love joe biden it was just this and this and that i'm like and i was just like i realized i didn't even get into it so i'm like yeah no worries man like because you're a professional you can't like get into it and it's like yeah and i ended up i think I, I feel like that's the best thing to do in situations like that is you know you just you know appease the person you're talking to and keep yeah. doing your job and yeah and understand people it's like you don't want to be divided like it's not like my views might be one thing yours gotta be other and it's trying to better understand people i think that's uh hopefully like photojournalism and journalism as a whole can help bring people together and better understand what people's situations are i don't know yeah because i think there's um i mean there's power and like seeing how you are similar to people who you probably wouldn't have otherwise thought you were similar to. And I like, that's the power of photojournalism to me is, you know, you can find those kind of common threads. Oh yeah, definitely. And when you get to actually spend real time with people like in their homes or whatever, and it's not like, it's not social media, like Twitter arguing. It's like a real human being. You guys have a real conversation. It's like two different worlds. That's why I think there's like this disconnect of like, this like people like butting heads obviously they have differences but when you actually like sit down and talk to a person in real life it's it's a different thing it's a different dialogue yeah so probably need more of that <laughs> i'm also drawn to like unexpected things and like that was something that i um like i something i started to realize when i was studying international relations too because you have to like the whole like what I was studying, like my our professors would always drill into us or like find the puzzles, like find the things that make you like raise an eyebrow, find the things that make you curious. And, um, and those are also the things that I'm drawn to in, in photojournalism, like the things that, you know, make you do a double take or things that you wouldn't expect. Oh yeah. That's yeah. where you can learn. Um, so when, when you, what did you do when you left the Texas Tribune and like, did you always know you wanted to be freelance or? So when I left the Texas Tribune, I I came back to Boston with the intention of being freelance full time. And that was more I think I, I also just wanted a bit of a break because I had been hustling for a long time and um, freelancing just seemed like a happy medium. That was kind of naive of me because what happened was I got back to Boston and then I was also like, okay, well, I'm going to start freelancing now. And there was just this weird like four month period where I, I was, I was freelancing. Um, 
I was also trying to take a break, but it's it's hard to find, it's hard to do those both of those things like wholeheartedly, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I started getting assignments here and there. Um, I was just telling, I was just talking to another photographer about how you know, I've definitely like somewhere something I could grow in is like being more proactive and reaching out to editors and other other photographers because that was something I probably should have been doing at that time but I wasn't um because there's no there's no manual there's no no, no everyone, everyone, everyone's trips different like it's uh and it's brutal because you like you know you come into this industry wanting to get started and it's like how do you how do you do it like yeah, I, it, how, what were some of your first assignments you got working freelance like so I mean my first assignment my first real assignment was before the Texas Tribune, and I got it through a friend because um, she had just she had taken a new staff job and she could no longer freelance. And so, and so, shout out to Olivia Falsigno, who's now freelancing in New York City. Um, and she passed my information along to the editor, and um, I was like freaking out. I didn't even have like a, a work email; I only had a BU email. She was like, "Dude, just like." make make one really quickly make a gmail i was like okay and so like and like that's the email that i use now for work um so i was and i share this to say you know i i was freaking out i i think i was ready for it but i just it was my first my first big assignment it was for the washington post so i was like like, oh my god um and it and it went well and um you know that editor kept calling and i got into that the new the washington post um freelancing network um and then from there, you know, I would pick up assignments here and there. Then I went to Texas, and then I, you know, get I would get assignments here and there. Um, I think that, you know, twenty twenty is hindsight, or hindsight is twenty twenty, yeah. <laughs> and it's easy for me to say, hey, I should have been more proactive about reaching out to editors and other photographers then. But I think what I did do was like just try and like consume as much photography as possible, and uh, like and just try and, you know learn about who was working in Boston, who was working in DC or other cities that I was interested in. Um, your question was how I got started, right? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> this kind of like finding assignments and stuff like that. Cause I think was, uh, the Trump thing. Did you pitch that? I did pitch that. That's cool. Yeah. Cause that's what I realized I've been doing more and more the last few years is like, like you said, if you, if you are proactive, like a lot of times you reach out to the editor, you, maybe they won't email you back. Or, well, they won't, and, <laughs> and <laughs> which is fine. But then if you put the work and you actually take the effort to be like, oh, this would be good for this person, you can drum up a lot of work yourself. Definitely. And that, I mean, that's something that the the, the art of pitching um, is something I've been trying to incorporate more into my practice because up until recently, I was, you know, I've relied a lot, a lot on just people people calling me Word up um, which is is great when you know that's consistent um but like one thing an intention i've set for this year is to just be more um in tune with what's happening in the area so i can pitch news things and yep. also to research and pitch more stories that i'm just interested in and are pas- and passionate about things that might take longer to photograph mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I mean i attended a lot of um like little workshops early on um like where so i when the northern short course was online i attended that um it was kind of it was like a really strange platform um but i was able to meet 
you know, photographers and, and hear from other photographers. Um, I would tune into webinars, like Mountain Workshops was had a webinar. Um, I turned tuned into that one. Um, or no, it wasn't Mountain Workshops. It was some other... Uh, I don't know. But my point is like there were little these little things events I would just I would just tune in so I could glean as much as I could from what people were sharing. It's a uh, photography is like a small kind of business. There's like it's in you if you interact with it. That's what I realized if you're like an active like participant in it. Like there's stuff going on. Like you don't even have to you can like you said that stuff was all online. Like you could live in Antarctica and still be whatever, you know what I mean? Like and you meet people, you figure stuff out, like, uh, and like even the way we connect on Instagram, it's like you're not a photographer in my city, and it's like reaching out and you figure out what other people are doing. Like that's how I've kind of learned as I went in this, not being. Can we realize? At least I did. People are happy to talk to you and help you out most of the time. Obviously, there's some assholes out there, but like a lot of people kind of want to share their experiences and like, as photography is like a very kind of solitary job. So I feel like when people do reach out to each other, other photographers, they're kind of like excited. I don't know. Definitely. And like going back to my first Washington Post assignment, um, you know, I, I got that through a friend who was like gracious and kind enough to share my information. And so that's why I feel so strongly about passing off friends' names or, or just colleagues' names to editors when I can't take an assignment or if there's, you know, if comes editors around. are looking. Yeah, because like, I mean that's how the industry works um and if i can you know help my friends get work then i'm, I'm here for it <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely and you're pretty good on social media like um and i saw you started a newsletter which is really really good i hope you keep up with that i think you just did the first one last month and you're like a really good writer it was really interesting to read and like is writing something you enjoy doing um i appreciate you saying that um i i have a tumultuous relationship with writing i think because I am a chronic procrastinator, and so I just associate writing with papers in college. You're not a procrastinator. You just got a lot of stuff going I, on. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, when I tell you I am a procrastinator, it's like, I mean, it's it's bad. I mean, I've gotten... It, I've gotten better at it within my business, um, but there's still times when it gets really out of hand. But um, I think I'm rebuilding my relationship with writing, and writing that newsletter was actually a lot of fun because I realized that if I wrote the way I thought or mm. talked to friends, mm-hmm. it actually came out a lot easier and was less um, less like pulling teeth. Because when I'm yeah, in my like when I think of writing, I think of these like academic papers where it's just when I have, when I have like the worst writer's block. Um, but I'm also excited for my newsletter because it feels like a place where I can just genuinely share what i'm thinking and and i think it helps to like not everything's about marketing but like it does help because it gives a sense of like who you are and it's like not it's not like stale and it's hard to put yourself out there like that like the thing that i really related to a lot is you mentioned in the newsletter and i'll I'll link it so people people can go subscribe and get the new ones you know uh but you're talking about how because when you do a lot of assignment work the editor has like i want x y and z but then as a photographer, you're still a creative and you want to make something that you're excited about. And it's this weird balance. And you're kind of talking about that and how it's just kind of a struggle sometimes, which I, I related to a lot. Yeah. No, it's. um. Yeah, it's like the getting the getting what you need versus getting 
your photo, photos for yourself. Cause, yeah. Cause you could, I mean, I kind of been on it like a little bit, like you can be busy working and doing assignments and you're making money and you're out there and you're busy. But like, do you ever feel like you've gone like weeks or two where you're just like, I'm making work, but it's just kind of like, eh, like it's nothing compelling that I'm excited about, you know? I mean, honestly, the end of last year into the beginning of this year, I was just feeling really like meh. Yeah. Um, and I talked about that in the, in the newsletter and, um, it was just, I just remember looking at my work and feeling like this all feels like flat and like the same. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I feel like I'm kind of coming out of it. And I think what prompted it was just having an editor tell me like, Hey, get crazy, get wild, like have fun, be artful. And I think it's like, as long as I'm covering my bases, um, when I can have fun, mm-hmm. It, it really gets the creative juices flowing. And even this past week, I had a couple of portrait assignments where um, one thing I was feeling insecure <laughs> insecure about was j- kind of like the energy of the person I was photographing not really being in the portrait. And to me, that's an important part of, of making a portrait is that the person who's in front of the camera being represented yeah. properly. And so... Um, like I on a couple of a portrait assignments this past week, I just like incorporated a lot of a lot more movement and I invited the person I was photographing to just like kind of move themselves and in addition to me giving direction. And I've been really happy with I've been happier with the portraits I've made. Um, they just feel much more alive as opposed to some of the the stuff I was making. Oh, yeah. Like, I I found it in my own work. You don't realize it's happening like uh, a year or so ago. I realized I was shooting everything so tight. And I was like, why am I shooting, especially like environmental portraits? You want to see the environment. And I was just shooting way too tight. And you kind of get stuck in your, like, routine of, like, I shoot this lens, I shoot this. And it's like, that's why I feel like it's important to, like, really sit down with your work and kind of, like, look at it and uh, see what you've been doing over the course of the year and kind of make adjustments and whatnot. And speaking about editing in the newsletter i found it interesting you edit all your photos backwards (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i've started doing that recently and i i mean i I (laughs) thought did you get a kick out of that i loved it it was great (laughs) i think it's okay let me see if this makes sense when i'm working a situation um more often than not i mean sometimes the first photo i'll take of a of a thing or a situation will be the one, but more often than not, it's like, you know, X number of frames in when I've, you know, you know, changed my position and gotten the light better. And so I think for me, it's almost like, I almost want to see, I think there's a better chance of me seeing the better photo or earlier if I edit backwards. And then, like I said, and like I talk about in my newsletter, it's also just like a a different way of reliving the thing I was photographing, you know? Um, you're procrastinating to get to the front. Basically, basically. No, it's like, I know how this, I, I know how this goes. What if, what if I did it backwards? <laughs> and you're kind of, you mentioned even the thing, like you, if you do an assignment, well, depending when the deadline is, like you're, you, you'll let it sit sometimes for a little bit and then kind of go back to it. You're not like running home, like, da, 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 like. I mean, with my workflow nowadays, I, I generally have to yeah i'll try and edit as as quickly as possible but sometimes 
more than others, there's a sense of just like, oh, I don't want to look. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. What? How do? You, what's your editing process look like? Are you like using Lightroom or? or... So, and I wish there were more. Sh- uh, there's no no there's no one way to do this right yeah. like and that kind of bothers me but i guess you know that means we all have our process yeah so i'll ingest through photo mechanic actually oh, it's, it's and re- then really um, photojournalist of you <laughs> <laughs> i ingest through photo mechanic um I, you know re- i actually i don't know if other people do this i rename my like all of my raw files um oh, oh do you have like this uh, is that this for like archiving purposes like i guess so to- yeah so i'll do like date like assignment or job name and then like a sequence See, number. you're smart. Like, I wish I would have started that early. Like, these hard, it's like total mess over here. Like, I'm basically like, I don't know. I'll get to it one yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, someday down the road. Um, and then I, I, you know, I add metadata and then I choose, I'll take like, you know, I'll do a first round of calling or not calling where I'll just like one star photos that I want to import into Lightroom. And then it's like a super wide, like edit, first edit, I guess. Import those into Lightroom. Um, I'll tone them all very in a basic way. Do another pass through. I'll do like one star, three star, five star, and then um, depending on how many five stars I'll have, I'll like go back and three star some of them. Then how many? Like say for instance, the I keep going back to the Trump thing just because yeah. it's in my mind. Like uh, like that assignment. How many photos do you end up delivering to the New York Times, you think? Probably too many, honestly. <laughs> yeah. um, so the the day of, I, I turned around like 11 okay. selects for my editor. And because the, the event went really, like he ended up speaking way longer and he was a little bit late. And so they were kind of like, where are the photos? And I was like, oh, yeah. I'll get them to you as fast <laughs> yeah. as I can. Yeah. So I, I flipped like 11 um, as soon as I could. And then I ended up sending like 75 more. Okay, um, wow, that's, that, a lot. that's a lot. Yeah. And um, I've been trying to embrace the wide edit. Because I think, like, earlier on in my... I mean, and some people are going to listen to this and be like, she sent them 75 more photos? That's insane. <laughs> um, but, I mean, a lot of photo editors I've talked they want, to... They want it, yeah. They just, they, like, their job is still good photos, and I'd rather give them more variety mm-hmm. rather than, than them get a, a, a really tight edit and be like, what is going on here? Um, and also because... I just don't always trust my editing eye. You know, like I'm I'm not great at editing my own work. Um yeah. in terms of like, you know, choosing you know, seeing what the photo is and, you know, what's there. And so I it's like I trust my editor's eye more than my eye sometimes and I'd rather just give them more rather than less. Yeah. Um, That's a lot of work because with that New York Times thing, you have to do all the, you have to put in all the captions and then you got to put in the the code they have for everyone. Yeah. So it's like, that's that's another skill, which writing captions, like, because a lot of times you're talking to people, like, how do you approach that? Because I, I struggle with this. Because what is it? You're supposed to like, who, when, where, what? Like, basically, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, so I'll usually, like, if it's a, if I'm going to be uh, turning photos around really quickly, I'll actually write like a, bo- a boilerplate caption and I'll have a metadata um, XMP file ready to go okay. to add to my photos as soon as I ingest them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, I just I keep a note on my phone, to, you know, IDing people as I meet them throughout the day. Um, See, that's the tough part, getting writing down names. I'm the, sounds spoiled just from shooting like portraits because it's easier to go and shoot one person, but when it's like a story and you're talking to like dozens of people and you got to be like, uh, Tim, red shirt, like whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, and I mean, 
like identifiers like yeah like red shirt blue hat glasses like i i you know just mm-hmm. take notes um but you know the captions are it's it's tedious and i think I think it gets easier with time. Um, yeah, if you do it all the time, that's what it was. I hadn't done it in a while, so I was like, I was just, I was struggling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the <laughs> thing is, um, you know, every publication has slightly different requirements for metadata, and I'm always like, um, what what I want to do, what I end up doing is I'll like, I'll go into the last, I'll like down, I'll open the last photo I made for that publication. If yeah, I've smart. Before, that's download the photo, like save the XMP file, re-upload it to the new, the new work. Um, but what I want to be, what I want to do, something that I wanted to do for a while is actually just have a folder of like boiler boilerplate uh, metadata templates, so I can just yeah, keep, like apply them to see. That's why I asked. That's why I asked. We're learning today. Uh, that's awesome. Um, and one series of photos I was interested in talking to you about. Um, on your website you you travel back to i think korea with your grandparents and your family and you were like photographing your family and there's a really amazing portrait i think your grandmother was like at her parents uh grave um is photographing your family something you've always done is it something you enjoy i get not enjoy but like i've always struggled with it like I, i'm better at photographing like strangers than like my family if that makes sense <laughs> yeah no i think photographing my family is something that i've been drawn more and more to recently um that trip with my grandparents was really special because um I was traveling with them so they could have assistance um just because they're not super independent anymore with their age Mm -hmm. um but it was also a wonderful opportunity because we went back to the, the village that my grandma grew up in and I think um I'm drawn to photographing my grandparents because you know, they're not going to be around for much longer. And it feels like an important way for me to learn about like myself and our family history and just to have images of them, um, in this stage of their lives. Like my grandma doesn't have any photos of her as a child, um, which is not surprising, but you know, like what, like what can I do so that that's not the case of this latter part of her life? Um, I think something that's kind of common in immigrant families is there's just like all of this family all these stories and family family history that just doesn't go talked about just goes untalked about for forever and I'm still learning things all the time about you know how they grew up about my my parents childhoods um and so for me like photographing them is a part of that you know um that's smart yeah yeah. I kind of I'm not an immigrant family, but like my family, I don't, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. Like, I don't even yeah. know how my parents met. Like, I've never asked them. Cause yeah, it's just like, I, them. I, I was like, yeah, how do you guys meet? I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know any of that stuff. So yeah, it is important to, I had a friend, he, uh, it was really cool. I think his father was sick and he sat down and did like a long form interview with them and recorded it. And it just went through like everything. And I thought that was like an amazing thing to do. Cause he learned so much. Like, like you said, if you don't ask, you're not going to learn, you know? Yeah. Something I have found interesting though is that um you know when i'm when i'm working with someone outside of my family like you know i'm photographing a new person having that distance is helpful because i'm a professional doing my job like getting mm-hmm. contests at context asking them questions about themselves yeah. them, themselves i'm having a hard time right, right. <laughs> um but with my own family sometimes 
they'll just like I'll ask my grandma a question and she'll be like why are you interested in that? I'm like, that's not, and then, and then, you know, and it's like, sometimes that's like pulling teeth or like how they, cause like if I tried to photograph my family, they'd be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, is it like, how do they react to the camera? No, <laughs> I mean, my grandma, um, my, my dad's mom, um, she, yeah, she, she, does, she doesn't like it. So I don't know. I just try and have my camera around as be much st- as possible to get her comfortable. Stealth. With you gotta it. be stealth with it. Yeah. No, um, no, that's important. Um, oh, I, something I will add is um, I just feel very strongly about like the the family archive, mm-hmm. um, and you know it's like we photograph a lot of different things in our jobs, um, but at the end of the day, if I can contribute a photo of someone to their own family archive, or you know contribute photos of my own family to our family archive, just for posterity so that we have these memories from this period of time like i'm happy you know yeah. and um i think about that a lot because yeah it's like how do, how do you approach uh, how do you approach because you shoot a lot of people and i'm sure people contact you like hey can i have those photos and i have them like twice this week and then how, how do you deal with it because like sometimes like I had two scenarios this week, and I'll talk about mine and how I kind of handle it. I take it case by case basis. One was this guy who was doing like a really great nonprofit for uh, helping veterans with like 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 uh, mental health stuff. So I was like, yeah, sure, have it all, do whatever you want. The other one was like this business. It was like a business, and I was like, all right, well, give me a couple hundred bucks. There you go. And like, how do you kind of deal with that? Because it is, it is your livelihood. It's how you make money, and it's this balance of like picking how are you going to handle your work i guess it's definitely a, on a case by case basis so i'd say like most people i photograph um i'm happy to share the photos for personal use for free you know mm. um and like depending on the situation maybe like on social media if it, if it's like just their portrait you know mm-hmm. um but for anything professional like if someone's reaching out about using photos in a book or um, on their website for their business, mm-hmm. um, I'll like license the photos. All right. um, doesn't mean they. It doesn't mean that they'll always agree to the fee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in that those situations, it kind of it's like feels bad because I'm like, well, I. I yeah, I want to help you, but also like it's yeah, like, it's weird. It, it sucks that you because think about it, it is a weird thing, and it's like I have to explain like this is my job. This is how I make money. Like I'm not trying to because like. I could understand some people like they're trying to like steal, like basically like uh, take what they can get from me or whatever. And it's like, no, nah, it's not what it's about. Like you're using it for something professional as well. So it's like, how do you make money? <laughs> like, yeah. And I think the thing I struggle with is, um, or no, the, the turning point for me was in terms of like understanding the importance of licensing and not just giving away work for free was when someone reframes it as like anytime that you you know agree to work for for a low rate or give away your work like you're setting an expectation for the next photographer that Mm -hmm. someone else works with and for me that's important because it's like it's not just about my relationship with this person um or my photos it's it's like lowering the bar for everyone else in in this industry oh yeah Um, and you know it's like there's that saying like we're our own worst enemy when it comes to those things sometimes but it's a it's a it's it's tough (laughs) oh yeah definitely i had a buddy uh he he had some recently he he did an assignment for the new york times and then uh 
he ended up licensing it to his guy. He he shot for New York Times. The person took the photo from the website, didn't ask him. My friend found out, but he ended up licensed for like five thousand dollars. So it's like <laughs> there's money to be had. It was crazy. Oh, the photographer licensed. The yeah, photographer. yeah. Okay. After he found out that the guy swiped it, and I was like, which. Yeah, that's another thing. You got to see where your images are going, which is kind of tough, too, sometimes with the way the Internet works. But uh, yeah. and like, I just wish there was like a one stop shop for learning about how to deal with these things, because I'm still, you know, I'm still learning. It's like I don't want to screw anyone over. I don't want to screw myself over. No, um, no. And but yeah, there's a lot of harm can be done. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it, it is tough. I and mean, you have to be able to like advocate for yourself and stand up for your work. And uh, otherwise, you know. We'll have to find another job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm always like, I think I just love photography too much. And sometimes that makes it harder for me to fight. Yeah. So I'm like, just. Yeah. Like, the, you know, there's a part of me that wants to be like, just take it. And I'm like, no, that's my work. And <laughs> that's right. I'd be screwing everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also saw on your Instagram, you're a member of uh, the NPPA, which is the National Press Photographers Association, Diversify Photo, and then AAJA, which is Amazing. Asian American Journalist Association. Have you found being a part of those like kind of organizations have been beneficial to your career? Definitely. Um, I'm not, I'm actually not sure if I've updated my MPPA membership, so that's a little <laughs> asterisk there. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, but no, I've I've you know community is everything, especially as a freelancer, and um, you know diversify photo. Um, and AJA, you know, they both, you know, they put on a lot, a lot of programming for members and non-members um, that have been really like beneficial and have just helped me learn a lot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, talking about workshops, like Diversify does workshops every year. Um, AAJA has, they have like little um, like virtual meetups, um, but they're the big thing with them is their convention every summer. And last year. I went to the one in LA and actually <laughs> I spoke on a freelancing panel. I was like, really little old me, <laughs> um, but it was fun. And I got to meet a lot of photographers who I've known online, but hadn't met in person. Um, no, it's great. Um, no, no it's, this kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier on. It's just like be a part of the community and it's kind of, we all help each other, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you know, I can't help but feel really, like really grateful to be, coming up in a time when like people are starting to pay more attention to who's behind the camera, you know, and having these conversations about representation and, um, you know, the power of, of, um, you know, banding together and having a unified voice. And, um, there's a lot of work to be done, but I'm, I'm grateful that like these important conversations are happening. Yeah, you know? definitely. It's important. Um, and then, uh, one other shoot I wanted to talk to you and then I'll wrap up, but you got a chance to photograph Senator uh, Sheldon Whitehouse. Uh, it was a really nice portrait. It was down Rhode Island. Uh, it, how is that? Because getting a photograph of Senator, that's like a guy, his decisions like really affect like people. Like how's that experience? Did you get to talk to him much? Or Yeah, that one was really funny because um, we, we didn't have much time. And the location that we were photographing at was, it, I mean, it's a, very it's a special place for for senator white house um but the wind i mean it was it was so windy it was like it was like march it, uh i think february okay it was just super windy the wind was gusting and so i was really stressed about you know making good 
making usable portraits in the in those conditions and um and so I think what helped is I I got there a little early to to scout the location and um he was really really chill (laughs) and and flexible and willing to follow my directions um so that the photo the I think the photo that ended up running was him sitting on the the rock the pudding stone rock yeah so I had that was that wasn't the location we had initially planned on meeting at um, but I, I figured, I thought it was a nice little, it was a nice scene. See, I wouldn't have known it was windy looking at the photo. <laughs> I mean, it looked cold, but not windy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, is the portrait stuff, do you enjoy doing the portrait shoots? I do. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm realizing that I don't think I ever set out to be a, a portrait photographer, but I like, I love the idea of, um, you know, illustrating parts of someone's personality in a portrait you know just it's it's something that excites me because you Um, can it's because with photojournalism you can't craft anything you just have to whatever's happening whereas portrait you can be like you can kind of like sit here like that you can it's one thing where you can kind of have a little flexibility right yeah yeah Yeah. um and it's like yeah every every portrait shoot's different um and i just kind of i don't know i don't i (laughs) I don't know if there's a, a one one way to, to do a portrait. I just kind of like, you know, we're in a setting and I'll just be like, hey, can you try this? Can you try that? Can you try this? <laughs> yeah, that's what it is, trial and error. Yeah. Because some people look awkward. Like some people, you could have them cross arms and they look casual. And then some people do it and they look awkward. And it's so you just have to like try stuff and see how it looks. Yeah. I mean, just the other day I was photographing someone and I was, I was asking her to sit a certain way. And she was like, actually, if I was going to sit here, I'd probably do this. And she like flung her legs over the edge of the chair and it was just, it was perfect. And I was like, I would have never probably asked her to do that, but she, and and it was great. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I guess to wrap up, like what's next for you? Like, uh, any goals for, it's crazy. We're already, uh, May almost halfway through the year, which is nuts. Uh, any kind of goals or things you're hoping to work on for us the year? Um, I, like I mentioned before, I think broadly, I'm just hoping to kind of, research and pitch more, um, more stories that are important to me. Um, keep photographing my family. Um, I'm hoping to, they live in New Jersey, so I'm hoping to get down there maybe in the next month or so. Um, but yeah, just keep grinding and what are, um, what are some stories is, in case there's any photo editors listening, what are some stories that you're interested in <laughs> stuff you'd like to shoot? So it's nothing super deep, but I'm waiting for the, um, the rodeo in Norton, to, to start up i, I didn't think, know there was one yeah i think it's norton yeah it's kind of a little more south of here okay um that starts in a couple weeks yeah. i went to a rodeo in texas and i really enjoyed it and i just figured i would try and this find lends, it just lends itself to photos this is like americana yeah, like yeah yeah um so I'm excited to go to the rodeo soon and then um i don't know nothing i don't have anything specific it's just this this large I just want to be working on things that it'll come. It'll come. It'll come. Well, uh, Sophie, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. And for anybody listening, if they wanted to check out your work, um, where's the best place for them to go? My Instagram, um, is where I show a lot, share a lot of my recent and ongoing work. Um, that's Sophie U park. And my website is, sophiepark.com <laughs> and I'll, I'll link it and i'll put the newsletter thing so you can subscribe to our newsletter because it's really good and uh yeah thanks again thanks alex so there you have it that was the sophie park interview uh just want to thank sophie so much for taking the time to come on the podcast it's a real pleasure speaking to her about her journey with photography and 
how she approaches photojournalism and covering politics and all the interesting stories she's working on. Definitely go check out her work at sophieupark.com as well as go follow her on Instagram at sophieupark. I'll put all the links in the descriptions. And uh, yeah, definitely go subscribe to her newsletter too. It's really cool. She kind of updates you on uh, different projects she's working on and kind of um, writes a little bit on there. Um, really cool stuff. Um, so thanks as always for listening to the podcast. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Photo Banter YouTube page. And I got more episodes coming. Um, so stay tuned and thank you so much.